Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, let's get this kicked off with something unusual and different this week. We got the Audible podcast review of the week. So this one is about episode 10. So it says, Jason kept it real. Great to hear Jason speaking the truth of what really matters in the world. Hard to believe how fast the time flew by listening to it. So that one's episode 10. That one's Jason Angelette. That one is by far the most downloaded podcast, all the ones we've got so far. So uh, his wife had died before, uh, before we recorded, and he's got an organization called faithandmarriage.org. Him and his wife were kind of the face of the business. If you guys haven't listened to episode 10 with Jason Angelette, it is unreal. So uh, talk about keep it real. So, all right, let's jump into this one. We have got another fantastic guest. We've got Sean Douglas. Talk about keeping it real, man. If you read his book, Decisions, holy cow, <laughs> it's all out there. It's all out there. What a cool book. And especially if you've got a somebody who's kind of down in life that thinks that they're just going to be stuck there forever. Uh, you certainly don't have to be. So Sean Douglas, his book is called decisions, the power to overcome self-defeating behavior. And Oh my goodness. Once you learn a different way, it gets so much better. So mm-hmm. welcome to the podcast, Sean, excited to have you with us. I'm honored, man. I'm, I'm happy to be on this side of the microphone. No kidding, man. You've got a, a history and kind of career of, uh, you know, running the microphone and running, running your own successful podcast and showing other people how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's just, it's something I love. It's a passion. And, you know, once you find your, your medium to get your message across, it's just amazing. How, d- how did you fall into this? How did you fall into podcasting and book writing? And, you know, naturally you're just born that way. I know. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me say it this way. I love human behavior. I love the why. I, I want to know why people do what they do and why they do what they do, because there's always a meaning. There's never something that says, yeah, I don't know why. Like kids do that. It's like, I don't know. And they always say like, there's 60,000 thoughts average that neuroscience studies have shown that humans have close to 60,000 thoughts. I don't see how. There's no way I can conceivably understand that there's 60,000 thoughts going through my mind, but I love human behavior. I want to know why, because that's the question. If someone wrongs you, let's say that your spouse and you have a divorce and, and whatever, well, what happened? You guys just wake up a morning and go, yo, we should divorce. Sounds like a good thing to do today. Like that doesn't happen. When somebody wrongs you, cheats on you, hits you, does something bad to you. You're like, why are you doing this to me? I want to know why, like why? Or when somebody does something out of the blue, out of character, why would they do that? That doesn't even sound like Dan. Like, why would he do that? People want to know, like they got to know they're drawn to the reason they're drawn to the why. 
So 2016, I wrote a book called Decisions, The Power to Overcome Self-Defeating Behaviors, because most of the time we defeat ourselves before the world can defeat us. People talk about Christians as God is for you, then who's against you? My answer to that is a lot of people. <laughs> There's a lot of people <laughs> against you. The devil's against you, right? And all his minions are against you. Evil people in the world are against you that are doing the bidding of, of the devil. Like There's a lot of things against you. There's a lot of people against you. So I get the scripture, but the point is I want to know about human behavior. So in 2016, I wrote this book to highlight the fact that we defeat ourselves in our mind, body, and soul. And I said, you know, podcasting is starting to become a big thing. Podcasting is starting to become the medium. Podcasting isn't new. Podcast has been around since 1993. They used to call it audio blogging. And audio blogging was made famous by Compact Computer Company and a couple other computer companies, but they did audio blogging. Blogging isn't new. It's been around since the 80s. It was just editorials and magazines. Same thing. Mm -hmm. With the creation of the internet, blogs started becoming a huge thing. Email lists started becoming a huge thing. And I grew up where Windows 95 was a big thing and playing video games on the computer. Like I grew up as Windows 95 evolved into all those other ones. And in 2016, after I wrote my book, I said, you know, there is a way that I'm going to get my message out through speaking, but it's going to be audio through podcasting. I think that I think that's a great medium. 2004, Apple comes out with the iPod. Nobody took to it like they thought. They thought that all the podcasts were going to go on there. Actually, Apple coined podcast, pod meaning personal on demand or personal on delivery casting out whatever your message was. We're going to put it on the pot on the iPod. That didn't happen. Steve Jobs put 10,000 songs in people's pockets or 1,000 songs in people's pockets. It wasn't until 10 years later in 2014 that a lot of the influencers that we know with Grant Cardone and Joe Polish and Gary Vee and all these other people started using podcasts. And it grew from there. I said, okay, human behavior is telling me that they're swinging to audio. Cars are starting to come with a podcast button in your car. Now is the time. Now is the time. So I launched Life Transformation Radio in 2017 and grew it to over 90 countries. It was a live radio show hosted Tuesday through Friday on Blog Talk Radio. I had a call-in number. It was just like an FM feel, FM radio show. And that was my hook. It's not just a podcast. It's a live radio show that's repurposed into a podcast. And that was my hook. And we talked about everything, transformation, anything that you could think of. The people that we had on there. First, we had Frank Shankowitz, who's the Make-A-Wish founder who passed away months ago. And we became friends. I had no idea that he was an Air Force veteran. So we hit it off. Our Zig Ziglar son, Tom Ziglar, came on the show. That was amazing. I've had many pastors and Christians and just talking about the transformation and that was where I fell in love with the transformative power of God. And I said, I got to get my message out. I gotta keep getting my message out and got more involved with church. I got more involved with getting that message out as a speaker, speaking at business events and entrepreneur events and podcast events and Christian events. But that's kind of how I fell into it. And then other people were like, wow, I love what you're doing. How do I do that? I'm like, oh, let me show you. And somebody said, dude, you should get paid for that. I'm like, oh, I love it so much. Like, you should get paid for that. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I speak and I get paid for that. You know, like, no, dude, you need to get paid for that. So 2018-ish, 2019, 
mostly 2019, I started as like, hey, anybody want to launch a podcast? I'll show you how. So I launched a podcast. We've launched nine top rated podcasts so far, including yours. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. So yeah, you, you actually helped come up with the title of the podcast. And I appreciate that so much. We had a different working title that God gave me and he says, try it out. Once you find something better, switch to whatever you want. So it was a great brainstorming conversation you and I had to, uh, to come up with a title that I just love. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the graphic is absolutely, I mean, what was it like four or five renditions of the graphic? And so we found the one that felt good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's good. Yeah. So you're, you're largely responsible for a lot of the look and the feel of this podcast. So folks, if you like it, and this is Sean, this is the guy that uh, helped put it together. And you got the voice. You got the voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that soothing, it's that soothing, just, you know, fatherly voice, you know, that, that makes the show. So I've, I've enjoyed, you know, editing the shows and, and getting kind of behind the scenes. I, I'm kind of like honored, but like privileged at the same time, because like I get to hear what's going on behind the scenes, you know, before everybody else does. And it's just, it's been amazing that the passion, every time I, you come up with a new episode, I'm like, what do you got? Like, what's it about? Like, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. And then we just produce it and put it together and, and, and give it back to you and, and make it sound, you know, amazing. And it's a great show, man. You, you've taken this thing you know, and, and just ran with it. So I applaud you for that, man. It's, it's really, really a great show. I've only recently met you in the past few years. We've known each mm -hmm. other online for a while and then got connected and something about you that when you meet somebody, how they've evolved, how they transformed, but whoever they are, when you meet them, that's who they are. Uh, people that have known you a long time have different notions and have known you a different way. So as I talk to you and we go back and forth about being a dad, being a Christian, being a, you know, the provider for our family and all these different concepts, I'm like, how long have you been like totally plugged in and more on the transform side? It seems like you've been doing this forever because you've got a lot of good ideas and principles and thoughts. And it seems like you just packed a ton of learning and experience into a short time period. How in the heck did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I get that question a lot, actually. Like, man, how long have you been doing this? You got, like you said, you got great ideas and, and you speak well. And how does that happen? You find a passion. I mean, that's all I can say. Like you find a passion and then you learn your craft. I read a lot of stuff about podcasting. When I was an MCI in the Air Force, they teach us about pitch, teach us about voice control. They teach about loudness, projection. There's characteristics of the voice that you should have as a drill instructor. And I took that and molded it into speaking. You got to have projection unless you're using a microphone and not so much, but you got to have projection. You got to have loudness, but then you have to have quietness too. Like there's your pitch, watch your pitch and your tone. I just want to be the master of my craft. And we hear a lot about millionaires becoming masters of their craft. We hear about authors that read books about mastery, life mastery, Christian mastery, father mastery, real estate mastery, business mastery. Well, if you're going to be a podcaster or anything, you'd be a father, you're going to be whatever you are, you should probably read. And you should probably, and <laughs> probably. that doesn't mean books. That doesn't, here's something. In 2019, 
I read zero books, zero, other than the books that I edited because we publish books as well. Other than the books I edited, I read zero books. I didn't read anything. I read some scripture and some other things, but I read blogs and I read articles and I read email lists and I read the people will send you email lists, right? Like all the trying to just sell something, but there's little nuggets that you can pull away from every single person's email. And then my own experiences, I would, I would cultivate a moment, cultivate an experience and then write about it. And when I write and when I podcast, I'm not talking to Dan, I'm talking to Dan and Sean. When I'm speaking on stage and my pastor used to say this all the time, he goes, remember that I'm not just speaking to you, the congregation and Christians. I'm talking to pastor because I need this too. And it gives me chills every time he said it. I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, because we think like, Oh, he's a pastor. He's perfect. He's got this God thing nailed down. He's, he's nailing it. He's preaching to us. He's got it. He's under control but you don't know what happens behind closed doors. You don't know what happens in his relationship with other people. You don't know what happens when he's in prayer. I thought about that. And one time somebody said perfectly imperfect. Ah, perfectly imperfect. So that's what I, I, I try to be 1% better than I was the day prior. And so the craft that I'm learning of podcasting and publishing books and speaking and running a business, I mean, I've ran, I have four businesses that I've created. Two have been sold off, still now have the speaking and the podcasting and everything. Then I have a, an affirmation and empowerment clothing line, which people cannot even fathom. People who really know me, they're like, what? Like, empower, like are there sayings about how you should buck up? And what's my favorite saying that they say all the time? Uh, suck it up, buttercup. Like, suck it up, buttercup. Like, that's your empowerment, dude. I'm like, no, no, I could be an empowering person. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, my drill instructor buddies are like, what? Like, I've heard you tell trainees things that you probably shouldn't tell trainees things. And that's not motivation. <laughs> so, right? so while, while you're on that, uh, we had Chris Stefanik on a previous episode, mm-hmm. and I was wearing an IM hat. It's audio format, so you don't see that on the video. Power statements or affirmations, whatever you want to call them, those are a big deal to me. And I've heard many people say, once I once I dialed it in and once I embraced the concept and employed it, it made a difference. Throw, throw it out there. What's it, what's it look like for you and how have you used it and how have you helped others with it? One of the scriptures say that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. And I don't really like anything fear-based other than like fearing God, but I don't like fear based. So part of the shirts that we created was I am intentionally and wonderfully made. You were created with intention. And I love the scripture where he talks about knitting you in your mother's womb. I Mm -hmm. knew you before the world knew you. I love that. I was knitting you in your mother's womb. And so I am intentionally and wonderfully made means I am intentionally made. I have a purpose and wonderfully made. You are perfect the way you are. So many people want to change their appearance. Hollywood movie stars want to get nose jobs and Botox and like you are wonderfully made. You you are perfectly made in the image, which that is a, contentious debatable like what does that mean like how does god create down syndrome children or autism children or you know is that his image is god autistic like that's a whole kinds of 
you know, debate. But however you're created is you're intentionally and wonderfully made. So that's one of the shirts. Well, that's cool. What, what else? Keep going. Tell, give, give, give me another, give me another affirmation, whether it's Christian or not Christian, but just yeah, so, so one of the, so I have an affirmation that I, that I say, and that's oh. uh, part of, it was part of the shirt line. It says I'm intentionally wonderfully made. I was made for something great today. I will make the decision to do something great and change lives. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then on my wall, I have a big plaque that sits at my desk and it says, wake up every morning as if something wonderful is about to happen. Cause it is, <laughs> it really yep. is. So somebody's working with you and they say something like, no, Sean, I'm small. I, I can't do much. Great things. No, I can't affect the world. I can't create change. All this stuff. What do you come back? Then why with? are you doing this? What, what, are you, what are you doing this for? Why are we even talking then? If you think so small, then what's moving you? What's pushing you? What's driving you to have this conversation with me right now? I'm tired of this nonsense. And then they'll say something like, well... You know, back in the day, I went through this hard thing and I really came out of the side and I just felt like I can empower other people. And I said, see, you can affect change. You can affect other people. Your mess is your message. And the test that God gives you is your testimony. You just got to tell it. And I say, think about how many times God has used people for big, great things or great big things. You got so many people who are figures like Moses who led people. You got people who tried to kill Christians and then was on the road and was blinded by Jesus and then became one of the greatest authors of scripture. Yeah. You cannot tell me that you are small and there is nothing for you to do and you cannot affect change. So many people Think about the apostles that, that God had. One of them was a tax collector. The most hated people Yeah, is a tax collector. And God used him to affect change, even in the slightest. Judas, even what he did, what he did, changed lives. Because Judas had to do what he did in order to affect the change. He was part of the wheel. He was the cog in the wheel. If that cog is gone, if, if that piece is gone, then how does Jesus get crucified? How does he go about everything that's supposed to happen? Judas has to betray him. And I think that everything happens for a reason. It's not a coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. So I look at the last 10 years of my life and I say, well, look at the last 10 years. In 2008, I tried to take my life. In 2009, I got help. I even, I, I was like, I hate God. God is a mean kid with a magnifying glass burning ants. That's what I, he's out to get me. He's testing me and I'm failing. And so I don't deserve God. And I grew up Catholic. And I got better, got, got the help I needed from childhood trauma and, and abuse. It's all in the book. And then I started helping people. They were quit smoking. They were quit drinking and I was reading the first empowerment book I ever read was The Power of Positivity by Norman Vincent Peale. Norman it's an Vincent amazing Peel. book. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's an amazing book. The Power of Positivity. And anybody that's a negative person needs to read this book. It is incredible. And then they said, you know, you need to 
go be a drill instructor for basic training and change lives coming into the military. I was like, what? Yeah. Now, let's pause for just a second there. Yeah. <laughs> Shortly before this, everybody that knew you had to think. John, the derelict, he'll never amount to anything. Yep. And then somehow that. what's that? I was told that. Yeah. Yeah. And then somehow somebody comes to you and says, hey, you should be a drill instructor. So for those that have not been in the military before, in order to be a drill instructor, you need to be buttoned up, polished, squared off. Just you need to be on it because you got putzes like me looking at you like <laughs> <laughs> we're ready to take you down. If you mess up, we like you. Just, you've just got to be disciplined and have this appearance of being perfect as a drill instructor. So for somebody to say, hey, and you're thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get talked mm -hmm. to, smacked around, demoted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and instead, it's the opposite. They say, hey, we're, we're looking to make you a drill instructor. What do you think about that? My captain was the one that recommended me. And here's what I learned. And you as a father and every father listening to this. He taught me that captain. He taught me. Don't look at people as they are. Look at who they could become. Look at who they could become. And as a father, do you look at your kids as who they are currently? Or do you see the potential and look on them as who they could become? And I never, I never thought of it that way. We see people for who they are. Like you even said in the beginning, you probably know people that knew you back then were like, wow, you're crazy. But the people who know you now go, wow, look how amazing you are. They don't see who you've become. The people that knew you your whole life or in the last 10 years or whatever, through that transformational moment, they know you. But do you do that to your kids? Do you say, oh, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that one activity. It, you might get hurt. Maybe you, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you shouldn't read that book. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you shouldn't do this. Instead of saying, you want to do that? Let me help you. Let me, let me get you to the other side and let me teach you and show you and get you to where you want to go. That's the difference between empowering and just seeing somebody as they are. Oh man, you'll never amount to nothing. Yeah. You're just, man, you're a lost cause. It's not going to work. That and makes such, such a difference that believing in somebody and seeing who they can become and give them a pat on the back. I can think of people in my life that told me I could do something that I did not believe that I could do, that I couldn't see the how, didn't think I knew the who that could help me get there. And I'll be darned, man, just having that confidence in somebody that you respect and trust. And you're like, really me? I could do that, huh? <laughs> Tell me more. Absolutely. Keep Absolutely. telling me. Keep patting my back. Keep yep. keep moving me along. I'm 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 not quite buying in quite yet, but let's let's keep I'll play along. Yeah, absolutely. And he did. He said, You need to go be a drill shutter. It's going to be good for you. And this is what you need. You need this. You need to go back to your roots. You need to go back to the beginning. And as a baseball fan, I love baseball as well. You go back to fundamentals, fundamental baseball. When you're, when you're losing in a slump, the coach is like, okay, enough, stop. We need to get back to fundamental baseball. And then the team picks themselves up. They get a little mentoring session and motivation. And then all of a sudden you see them just climbing. I mean, look at the Cubs. Cubs had won a World Series in forever. 
they're in those slumps. They said, we need to get back to fundamentals. They got back to the fundamental baseball. That was the Cubs. And uh, you and I have a little history. So St. Louis, Detroit. Yeah. 2006 swept in four games. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, we've been to, we've been to the world series so many times that we forget we were even there in 2006. Oh, stop it. Oh, (laughs) stop it. Oh, stop it. Yeah. Detroit had been since what? 84. Ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Man, that was a quick one. Yeah, that was, yeah. Stop it. (laughs) Pitcher pitchers fielding practice. Yeah. You got to pick it up and throw it to first base. Yeah, that was that was not a good World Series. So <laughs> after I recovered from that, uh, <laughs> well, the red the Red Sox handed us to us a, a little. Uh, there you go. Soon, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so he tells me that you need to go to base training, and the highest enlisted in the Air Force is a chief. Chief Master Sergeant says, "I'm going to endorse that. You need to go." I got accepted with high level recommendations that I thought people were like, this guy sucks. This, this guy's ridiculous. And I was facing getting kicked out of the military. I was going through a divorce. I was drinking. I showed up to work drunk, got charged with an article one twelve, the UCMJ, which is drunk on duty. My house had burned down. <laughs> like, like it was bad. It was so, and they were like, dude, you have so many issues. Like you do not need to be in the military. And they was like wanting to kick me out, but the captain would let him. He's like, nah, hold on, hold on. Let's see. Let's see what he does. So I got some help and, and went through everything and I got accepted to be a drill instructor. And I go down there and I, I'm terrified because I remember my drill instructor and I was like, man, that guy was scary and it was so bad. And, oh man, I'm going to run into him. And maybe he's still down there. I don't know. And I was freaking out. And then I got into class and everybody was freaking out. I was like 20 some odd people in class and everybody was freaking out. Nobody knew what to say. Your best line was hurry up. Let's go. You had nothing else. You, you didn't. You didn't have no direction at all. They were like, "Go yell at those kids," and you're like, "Hurry up!" <laughs> you got nothing. You got no ammo. You don't know what to say. As you get into it and you start learning from other instructors what works, what doesn't work, and you kind of put your—I call it the swizzle. You got to put your own swizzle on it. So you put your own little swizzle on it, and then you got some things to say. My favorite thing if they were going slow is like, "Hey, man." You moved any slower, you'd be in reverse. Pick up the pace and let's move forward. Let's go. Push it. Push it. Let's go. Push harder. I know you got it in you. Push harder. A lot better than saying, hey, hurry up. Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. No, man, as a drill instructor, you got to have those those sayings and those things that are uniquely yours. Otherwise, oh, yeah. they'll, they'll chew you up. Oh, yeah. They'll chew you up. <laughs> the best four years of my life, the best four years I learned mentoring and teaching and training and speaking. I mean, you teach in the first year, I almost had a thousand hours of teaching. And then after you get your thousand hours of teaching and you take your test, then you get your master instructor badge. I was like, oh man, I'm getting that. I'm, I'm getting that. And so in the second year as a drill instructor, I got my master instructor badge. And I was like, yeah, then I became a trainer. I was training other drill instructors, how to be drill instructors. And that felt great. I was like, Oh, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Which is why I have a coaching business and I don't really coach people on life lessons. 
as much as I say, no, 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 you got to do it this way because this it's practicals. I teach practicals. I don't want to hear about all of the bad stuff that's going on in your life. Everybody has problems. I want to know what you're going to do about those problems and how you're going to turn those problems into profit. I want to know how you're going to turn those problems into change. That's what I want to do. And that's the business I run. I want to take Dan's message and put it onto a graphic with my designer. And then I want to take his message and put it into an audio format. And then I want to change the world. That's what I want to do. That's awesome. That's impassion. That's going for something, vision. Without those things, there's in the Bible, it says without vision, the people will perish. Yep. And when you have something you're going for and really passionate about it, you get fired up about life. You get fired up. The people around you are fired up about their life and you get more people, you know, just attracted to you. And uh, it's just a, a cool spot to be. So if you're sitting there in neutral, uh, put it in gear, put it in gear, give it some gas, see where it goes. Absolutely. You got to give us some gas. You got you to gotta see what happens. Don't pump the brakes too fast. Just let it ride because God's yeah. got this. He's got it. So for everybody listening, I don't know if you caught that, but in 2008, John said, I wanted to kill myself. Mm -hmm. That was just 13 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 13 years ago. Yep. And prior to that, when you look back, you had a, a pretty hard knock kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. I got knocked around a little bit by a, a, an ex-stepfather and mom and dad divorced when I was real young and we were raised Roman Catholic. My grandfather was in church all the time. I was in the Knights of Columbus. I was a squire in the Knights of Columbus. Then I became 18 and became a third degree knight. And then 9-11 happened. And it's like, got to go, got to go in the military. And I don't know where I lost my faith, I guess. But I remember being deployed in 2003 during Operation Iraqi Freedom. And um, that was that was hard. Some of the people that I, that I knew uh, did not come back the way that they left and and it's hard and everybody makes fun of the air force like oh the chair force oh man fly boys wasn't doing a whole lot of chair sitting in 2003 <laughs> so so I, I would get real mad you know i'm like cool marines they're awesome army they got it they're you know they're doing the thing they're kicking indoors cool we're launching planes but guess what we're on the airfield getting mortared so yeah as you're going through doors we're getting bombed. Like we're still getting, getting attacked and we still had weapons and we still had to maybe return fire. Uh, I never have. I've never returned fire while on an airfield, but I have done convoy duties with the army and the Marines. That is not fun. You can have that. That's not a great time. No. So that's no, you're good. just got your eyes open looking for where, who's going to bomb you and yep. what's in the road. And Oh, car yeah. stops in front of you quickly and you're thinking to yourself is this it this is it yeah you got your sector of fire out of a nine yeah. by nine window <laughs> you know and uh it just it's not fun anybody who's been there from 2003 to like 2006 did not have a great time and i've been deployed i think four or five different times like main deployments months and months and months. And then I've got another four or five or six under my belt that are like in and out. So I used to work as a worldwide deployable aircraft battle damage repair. And so we do combat takeoffs and the jets will take small arms fire, or 
something will happen. They'll like, I had an eight ten one time land with no canopy, like blew it off, had holes oh in, the, in the wing and an eight ten landed like that. We're like, Oh my gosh, what happened? He's like, I took fire. <laughs> Cause it's slow. It's a slow moving airplane. They took fire. A couple of bullet holes through the wing, blew the canopy off, blew the gun off the front of the airplane and landed it, landed it with only the rudder pedals hanging out of the airplane in the front. And, and he landed it. We, we packed it up and did what we could to it and then shipped it over to a, a facility and we fixed it for the next three months. Did you ever talk to that pilot again? No. Okay. No, just the, just that one time he's like, man, he's like, I need a moment. Like, Go take your moment, sir. We'll take care of everything else. Go take your moment. I, I don't think you know this one, but there's there's a guy named Jeff Struker. Uh, he was a captain, and he ran a ran a squad that was involved in Black Hawk Down. Oh wow! So like, all right, you take your men, you go in there, and you know, attack and defend and secure this area. And he's he thought about it, and he's like, this is a suicide mission. I'm going down a road, and they're on both sides of us. Like we're literally going in on a suicide mission. So he prays. It's like, Hey, if this is it, this is it. But this is what I got to do. They go through it. Like you mentioned the sectors, everybody's got their sector. They got to do their job. Yep. He's got his main machine gunner. And as they're going through the machine gunner gets taken out and his brains go all over everything. Somehow they make it through and he makes it back. And a guy comes up. He's like, Hey, listen, uh, captain Struker, here's the deal. Second black Hawk went down. We need you to go back. He's like, what, what are you talking about? There's no way I'm going back to what I just saw. And this little specialist or something comes up and he's like, Hey, Captain Skirker, I, I, I hear you're going back. I recommend one thing. I recommend you, you get the uh, Humvee washed. What? Why would I do that? Like I got to go back. It's like, well, probably be good for your men if they didn't see brains and blood and guts all over the Humvee when they are going back. And he's, yeah, but that is a good idea. That is a good idea. So he goes back in the second time, got his guys with him, and he's doing all the radio calls. Somehow they come back clean. He keeps everybody. And the people that were left come back and they surround him. And they're like, how, what, what changed? The first time you were in, we heard you on the radio. You sounded one way. The second time you were in, you sounded differently. You sounded calm. You sounded in control. You sounded at peace. And you gave all of the rest of us this sense of safety what happened and he goes i he goes i had a line so long and i told him all the same story as i just said hey god i'm going back in apparently this is your will and there's two things that are going to happen i'm going to bring my guys back and come back alive or i'm coming to see you Mm -hmm. pretty happy with either outcome thanks god because then i went in with just just (laughs) super peace about the whole thing if you guys have seen black hawk down you'll know what i'm talking about he had to go into that a second time just unreal so it was really cool getting to talk to him specifically about that event and wow seeing that emotion still in his face to this day of Mm -hmm. you know impending death twice Anyway, I can imagine if I was flying that A-10 and got shot up and the canopy comes <laughs> right. flying off, I'm like, right. oh boy. Yeah, that thing's a tank though. I mean, they love the A-10. A lot of the other branches love the A-10 and that thing's a tank. So we did a lot of that stuff. And then 
as I moved through basic training and, and I became a resilience trainer and a suicide awareness trainer, I was asked to tell my story. And because I had training, I was speaking at high schools and colleges and I was doing junior ROTC drill meets and I was just loving it. I say, oh yeah, yeah, I'll tell my story. I'll tell my story. Okay, cool. And then somebody caught wind of it and they're like, wow. Hey, we got a position open uh, on this resilience team and we would love to have you. And you can do the suicide awareness training portion as well. I said, I'd love to. And then I did that. And then I spoke at Yellow Ribbon Program, which is the Garden Reserve program where they go post-deployment and pre-deployment. They go with their families uh, to like St. Louis and Florida and California. It's all over the place. And they learn resilient skills right before they go. And then they learn resilient skills when they come back and how to reconstitute and like all that stuff. So I was speaking there and telling my story, all that. And then I write my book. Then I write, do the podcast. Then I create the business. Then the t-shirt line comes out, like all this stuff. If you look back at for 13 years, you said 13 years. If you look back, I had to have that moment. Even my childhood, I had to have the moment. That's my story. And then I learned how to tell my story. I learned how to teach and train and mentor. I learned that stuff. I learned empathy. And then because I had a story and I knew how to tell it, I then had a platform to tell my story on. Then lives changed. If the story doesn't have a beginning, there is no story. You have a harder thing that you've gone through and maybe you're ashamed of it and maybe you don't want to talk about it. You're not the only one that's gone through that hard thing. I promise you that God is not upstairs going, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. That was pretty tough. Man, what will we ever do? Like, that's not like everything happens for a reason. And my favorite scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. Mm-hmm. Not to harm you, but to prosper but you. But to prosper you. That's my favorite. My favorite. Scripture that has gotten me through everything, even in my hardest days. I was I was talking to the wife yesterday, and I, I had a moment. I was like, I just, I just don't feel like doing anything. I got a lot of work to do, and I just had a moment. She's like, Why? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I just, I feel like, I don't know. I just don't feel like doing. I have no motivation. I'm losing passion. Like, what is? Is it because you're, you're retiring? No, 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 no. I'm happy about that. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm not overwhelmed. I just, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like it. So we were talking outside and, you know, I felt better about it. And then I went upstairs and I put my headphones on and I got to work and four hours later I had a book edited. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're launching a self-worth book. So I needed to get it done. And and I just put headphones on and I put on, uh, you know, Imagine is my favorite song. Yeah. Love that song. So I put Imagine on and took a deep breath and I was like, here we go. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And I just kept thinking like, for I know the plans I have for you. I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Why? For I don't know the plans I have for you. 
God, why am I getting divorced? For I know the plans I have for you. God, why can I not stop drinking? Why am I going to get kicked out of the military? For I know the plans I have for you. A lot of people say this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Yeah, I don't like that because it doesn't feel like it's going to pass. Right. <laughs> you know? For months, right? You get a deep, deep depression for months. Like when? When will this pass? I don't like that. For I know the plans I have for you. And it kind of seemed to stick with me. And another one that I absolutely love is I am, how's it go? I am stronger in you. Oh no, he is greater in you than he who is in the world. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. Yeah, it goes, he is greater in you than he in the world. And, and it's true. Like God lives in you. He's, he's here in your chest and your heart and your body and your soul. And, and, like the whole Trinity, everything is happening and, and you just go do if God's in the world, somebody has to go get them. When God is in you, he's directing your steps. He's making your decisions. He's doing like all the stuff, you know? So that's, that's kind of my two favorite scriptures right there. Man, those are awesome. And Jeremiah 29, 11, my wife and kids gave me a leather bound journal to write in. I was like, oh, this is the greatest. And then I read the scripture verse on the front of it. I'm like, oh, no way. This is awesome. And yeah. so par as parents, what do we want for our kids? We want them to prosper. Mm -hmm. We want them to do well in life. So as us being God's kids, God wants the same things for us. God wants us to do well. Pray as if everything's on him and work as if everything's on us. And that, that comes together pretty well. Yeah. And I would also say that is God sheltering us or is he letting us go into the furnace? That's a pretty cool story, I think. Yeah, it really right? is. Yeah, that really so is. So are we doing that to our kids? Are we sheltering them as helicopter parents and not letting them fall off the bike and not letting them skin their knees and not letting them? Obviously, we're going to stop them from doing like illegal stuff or something that's really going to harm them. But are we letting them fail? Are we teaching them along the way? We may not know the plans for the kids, but we do have plans for them. You should go to college. You need to get a job. And we were there. We're guiding them. And pretty soon we let them go. They're 18 or 20. They get married. And, and I give that, daughter or whatever to her husband, or you tell your son, you know, you're going to take somebody on, you know, and to become one and, you know, all that beautiful stuff. But are we doing that as parents, as, especially as fathers? I don't always want to be the disciplinarian. Actually, I just don't. It, it's not something that I enjoy, but I know it's necessary. And that's kind of the role that my wife and I have had. She's like, get them. Oh, come on. Like you go tell them something. She goes, no, go tell them. I'm like, man, because all they're going to do is run to mom and be like, Ma! and then she gets to comfort them and she gets the kisses and I just get glares and ugly looks. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, it, it, everybody has a role, you know, she has a role. I have a role. And, and what really, by the way, we got back together and, and our marriage was, was rocky at some point through the drill instructor thing. And we separated again. And again, that's all in the book, but the moment we stopped competing against each other and started completing each other, 
And the crazy thing is, at, even through the Jewish stuff, everything, let's go to church. I'm like, I ain't going to church. I don't need God. I'm, I'm doing really good by myself. Look at, look at what I've created. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm sober. Like I did that. Well, the pastors did that. I went and talked to the, the, you know, the chaplains, the military chaplains, and we would have talks and stuff and debate, you know, is there really a heaven? Is there really a God? Like, what if there's not, what if there is, you know, that type of stuff, you know? And, and I would ask him like, well, if God is so amazing, like, why am I going through this hard stuff? Like if God so loves the world, then why is there such hate and evil and bad stuff that happened? Why do amazing people get killed in a car accident? Why do amazing people get murdered? Why do like, why does he just stop the gun? Why doesn't he just stop the car? Why is not he? He's like, well, you don't think he does certain instances. You don't think he does. You don't think that that death has a purpose. As, as, as gruesome as that sounds, that death may impact that driver who's got a bunch of DUIs, kills somebody in a, in, a, in a car accident because they're drunk, and that guy then goes and tells his story to other drunk people and stops people from drunk driving. And that's how MAD got started. The daughter died. Oh, mother yeah. Was, yeah. Mother was distraught, needed to do something with her story, and now Mothers Against Drunk Driving is global. And when they put it in his perspective like that, you know, it kind of choked me up. I was like, yeah, but I mean, God loves the world. Like, why would he take care of you? You know, he's like, you don't think he is? We may not you know, lean not on your own understanding. We don't, we don't know. You know, Ravi Zacharias, you know, without scandal stuff or whatever come out after his death, but Ravi Zacharias and the things that he would say, you know, told a story about, I don't know these things. Faith, faith is what you need because that's what was preached. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the overcoming of doubt. And Ravi Zacharias told a story about a boy. He says, this is God at work. You ask why, and he literally asks why the gun doesn't malfunction. Why does that person get cancer? Why do this person die? So a, a little boy is tending to the, to the cattle and one runs over his leg and breaks his leg. A couple of days later, all of the cattle run out of the field because the boy can't attend to it. And the father is a little old. All of the cattle run out of the fence and the neighbor comes over. He's like, wow, this is bad. You have a broken leg and you have no cattle. Wow. This is really bad. I mean, God's not looking out for you. And the father says, I don't know of these things. We have faith. A couple of days later, banditos come to steal their cattle and take their take their sons. They look at the, the, the lame son and they say, oh, we don't want him. His leg's broken. You don't have any cattle? On to the next one. A couple of days later, the neighbor finds the cattle grazing and brings them back home and the boy is healed and the boy never went with the banditos. Yeah, you just never know. What do I know about these things? You never know. Yeah, you just never Everything know. happens for a reason. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got the master plan and we just live it. Yeah. We just live it. Absolutely. So you're, you and your wife both grew up having, uh, individual challenges. She didn't just yes. grow up the perfect wife and was just ready to, to be the perfect wife for you. And they already <laughs> talked about the school of hard knocks for you. Yeah. How yeah, the heck did, no did the, I know you talked about completing each other and, 
Yeah. I'll use the word team teaming with your wife, but how did that change? What, what was a catalyst to switch from a competing type of a marriage and one where you're each selfish to combining and having, having a pretty great marriage now? Well, I was deployed and before we deployed, we got to our new duty station in North Carolina and we were good for a little bit. It seems like, you know, we're good for a little bit, but tension, something would come in between us, some kind of tension, some kind of a distraction, some kind of, it would take, it would, it would try to rip us apart. It felt like, and we were both like, you know what, look, this isn't going to work. We had problems in Utah. We had problems in Texas. We have problems here. Like maybe it's us. Maybe we just don't need to be together. Like this is ridiculous. And then she got pregnant. I was like, oh, great. And I'm over here like, man, she trapped me. She got me. She got me to stay. What's going on? And she's like, no, you're leaving. <laughs> she's like, no, you're out of here. You're out of here. I don't need you. And uh, so I deploy. She's got to do the pregnancy by herself. I think she was two months pregnant when I left. And the whole deployment, she's pregnant. I got home four days before the baby was born. What I didn't know is that she was having a really hard time because she wants us to work. She's talking to some friends. Oh, you should just leave him. And he sucks. And then other friends are like, no, no, no. You got to make your stuff work. Like, like you guys are about to have a kid. Like, like you have to make this work. And so she goes to church. Her friends brought her to this church, a non-denominational Christian church. And our pastor says, we're one pyrotechnic from a Bon Jovi concert. <laughs> you know, they play the new age kind of rock, yeah. uh, you know, uh, worship songs, right? It's not just piano organs and alleluia's 50 times in a song. And so she starts going to church. She goes, Yo, I'm going to church. I'm like, cool. Good for you. And she's trying to get me trying to get, I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, that's your thing. Bring me back some wisdom. So she's going to church, going to church. And she told me, she goes, no, I feel so much better, but it's still hard, but I need you. I need you in on this. I need you all in. I said, no, I played the God game before. Remember I did this before I played his game before. Remember, like I'm not doing this. And she goes, well, I don't understand what your thing is with church. And I talked about like Catholic scandals. And I talked about church only wants money. And I talked about all of the bad things in the news about faith and Catholic church and Pope. And it's a big scam, man. It's a big scam. So one, one Sunday, she's like, look, I'm going to church and I would love if you cut, like, come on, baby's born and everything. I said, come on. It was week, a couple of weeks after I got home. I was like, I don't know, three or four weeks, five weeks after I got home. Probably won't even that long. We're going to church. I was like, look, man, look, if he starts preaching some nonsense, I'm walking out. Like I'm not wasting my time on another preacher, on another pastor. And I talk about it in the book, man. I talk about the book. We get in there. And what does he talk about? Tithing. <laughs> I turn to the wife and I'm like, see, he only wants your money. I told you he only wants your money. So I sat there mad and I had my arms folded the whole time. I didn't say an amen. I didn't say nothing. I just waited to go. And I was like, see, she's like, no, 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 it's going to be different. I swear. He preaches on different topics. It, 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 it's part of his sermon series. I was like, oh, okay, let's do the sermon series. I, the very next week I was hooked. He talked about revelation. I was like, oh, now we're talking hellfire and brimstone. Now we're talking, we're talking about the tribulation. Talk about the end of days. I was like, you got me. Did that for three weeks. And I was, I was intently listening. And then he moved on to parenting and then he moved on to marriage. And 
I, there were some things that I didn't know. And then he said something that made me stay. And he was talking about in marriage and, and, in, and, and there was a song. There's a song that talks about it. Uh, it goes something like um, wait, you know, waiting for God to come. Like he's our bride or you're, he's our groom or something like that. Right. Like, like it's, it's a relationship. And then he preached on it. He said, Jesus is a relationship. It's a lifestyle. It's not like this church isn't. And he said something super funny. He goes, this church is not a place for the saved. It's a place for the hurt. It's a place <laughs> for the people who do smoke marijuana because I can smell it from here. <laughs> like everybody starts laughing. He's like, we welcome you. We welcome you. And we welcome God. And just because you're an alcoholic or you're a bad person, you think you're a bad person, God loves you anyways. God loves you anyways. And I think that was what missing when I got away from God, because in the Catholic church, it bothered me that I would go into a box, talk to a guy I barely know, say four Hail Marys, Hail Marys and somehow absolved of my sins. I never understood this. And that was kind of my thing with the Catholic faith. I'm like, why do I have to get on a knee and pray? She goes, because it's a holy thing to do. My mom says, it's a holy thing to do. You give reverence to him. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I can do that in my bedroom. Like, I just, I don't understand the going to church part and, and, and listening to God's word and then acting up for six days straight and then going to church on a Sunday and get saved again. Like, it's kind of like this weird cycle that you go through in an abusive relationship. I'm so sorry. I love you so much. I'll never hit you again. Monday through Saturday, I'm going to hit you. Sunday, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I love you so much and I'll never do it again. That's what it felt like. I felt like I was the abuser. I was abusing God's love because I didn't have a relationship with God. I had to do it because number one, I was a kid. My mom made me go. My grandfather prayed every day. So we had to pray every day. Kind of hungry, kind of want to eat my meal. But when he said it, I think it just got me in the right state of mind i think it got me and he said it's a relationship god the father god the son god the holy spirit who lives in you it's a relationship i was like what what, what, what do you mean a relationship what does that mean a relate like like you can talk to him and you can like do stuff <laughs> you know like like, what are you talking about? And then he laid it down. He said, the five things that Christians need to do every day, five things, pray, fervent prayer. And he talked about Jesus bleeding because he was praying so hard. Worship, worship at the feet, worship through song, tell your testimony. This is all worship. Dan, let me tell you how great God is. That's a worship. That's that, that that's a testimony. The third one was live by example. And by the example is what God has already, God has already said it. The book of life is the Bible. It is the book of life. It tells you exactly what you need to do. In Corinthians, we talk about love is patient. Love is kind. Not me and my wife. Love is I want it and I want it now. No, I have a headache you're giving it to me now like come on right that whole conversation like no i have a headache i don't feel good roll over go to sleep oh no 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 we're doing this like let's go or it's it's i'm gonna fight with you until i feel like i've got my point across and she's gonna fight with me until she feels like she's got a point across i'm really tired i'm gonna go to bed and as soon as we wake up we're gonna continue this fight because i'm still really mad at you it was that whole thing right 
live the example because it's already been set for you. Jesus did it. God did it. Everything's been set for you. The fourth thing he talked about was obeying, which is the hardest one. Do you tithe? He said, some of you look at tithing as a mandatory thing. I look at tithing as wealth building. I'm building the kingdom of heaven with the tithe. Not because I'm just, I want to get into heaven. So I guess I got to pay the toll. No, it's not that it's, it's I'm obeying. I'm tithing so that God can take the, it's 10%. It's literally 10% of all of your money. He only wants 10%. Talk about giving your firsts, giving your firsts. It used to be that you give the first wheat. And then the, he talked about, there was a plague that came across the earth and they think that the sons got killed, not because of the plague, not because of the curse, because it was customary that the son, the eldest son gets the first wheat. He gets the first food. And that's where all the bacteria and the bugs sat. <laughs> Crazy, right? Okay. What I do I know about one. these things, right? So they talk about in, in, I don't know if it's folklore or in like old, like old Testament, but it says a plague will come across your land and, and your sons will die. And like, you know, they're firstborn, right? Firstborn. Yeah. And even, even, even Abraham, God tested Abraham to give him his son and was going to kill his son. He had to obey, but God stopped him. You passed the test. So he said, those obeying moments is God's test for you. You need to obey. And then the fifth thing he said, love, love. And he says, why didn't I start number one with love instead of number five? Because love is talked about besides money, because tithing, the most in the Bible. Money is talked about the most. Second is love. Because they ask, what's the greatest commandment? Right? Yeah. And it's so, it's so tough because I got, I got some crazy neighbors. <laughs> I think everybody does. I think we all got some crazy neighbors. Right? I think we all do. <laughs> love thy neighbor as you love thyself. Right. Love one another. Like that's the big thing. But he said, I want it last because that's the one that most people forget. So if you say it in reverse order, if you said number one, you would forget it because it's the first one. You would always remember number five because it's the last one you read. So there's a methodology to his madness. And so as I, as I try to live this stuff out, it, it's hard. It is so hard. It's hard because you want to do one thing. You're like, Oh, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to get them back because they hurt me. Or I don't want to tithe because I want to take my kids out to dinner or I want to, you know, whatever. Or th there's a lot of reasons that you don't obey. Like I have to, what? Yeah. I don't really want to do that today. I don't, I don't really want to pray today, God. Like I'm not going to, I'm going to pray during, during dinner and you know, whatever. So we started doing that and we tried to live in those five things that we became life group leaders. And so we had a marriage life group that they would come over to our house and do that. And then we prayed before each meal, but there's no phones, no tablets, no toys, no nothing at our dinner table. It's us. And we're talking and, and we pray before each meal. And, and, and when we started doing these things, when we started living with God's principles, that is what got us to complete each other instead of competing against each other. It's so true. 
the more I just follow and obey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Things just work better. I have more joy. You, you, you have a love of cars. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And when I was younger, I had a love of cars and you know, all the, all the things that you think will bring you happiness. When I was a kid, it was the big stereo system and 5 million CDs. And if I have that life will be great. If I have the awesome car, life will be great. If I have the great sound system and the car also life will be great. I have the great job. If I'm the, the, the head lifeguard, all these things, life will be great. Yeah. If I'm the point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers, life will be great. If I only guy, not really where my calling was, but happiness chasers. Yeah. I'll be happy when, Mm-hmm. I'll be happy when instead of being happy in the moment, I'll be happy when. So episode one um, and that one becomes a Navy SEAL. The end oh, all and be God. all. Yes. The end all and be all. Yes. Dude, here you go. You're Navy SEAL. I did it. So yeah. I was never so sad as the very next day. Yeah. I made it to the top of the mountain and the promise was empty. There wasn't anything left to do in life. I'd already accomplished it. I wanted to kill myself. He says, Yeah, that was an amazing episode. I loved that set the tone for the show. I think that was an amazing episode. And, and I'm glad you brought this up because Ravi Zacharias also would say that the loneliest place on earth is when you achieve what you thought would deliver the ultimate and it lets you down. It is the loneliest place on earth. So what's the solution for that? So what is the solution for that? Yeah. Gratitude, love, counting blessings. Don't count other people's blessings. Count your blessings. Look at Job. Everything that ever happened to Job. Look what happened. In the end, blessed. When I was reading your book, I was thinking about Job, and I'm like, no, Sean, not again. (laughs) (laughs) Man, if there's ever a parable, if there's ever a story that you need to read, Job, God took away everything. Everything. And, And it was crazy. The devil had to get permission to do it. God took away everything. And what did God tell him? Do whatever you want to him. Yeah. You just can't take his life. Yeah. You can't kill him. You can't kill him, but you can do whatever you want to him. Took his, took his lamb, took his money, took his wife, took his kids, took everything that he had. And still Job was faithful and God rewarded him. It's kind of like obeying, but that's not what I did. I was like, Oh God, You suck. I don't want this. This is, this is ridiculous. You know, this, this, this is crazy. Why would I ever follow this life? This is one. It feels like a cult. If you get judged every time you walk into a church, but life is so hard and all these bad things are happening. I'm praying, but nothing's happening. It's getting worse. So you know what? I'm going to go away and I'm not going to do God no more. I'm not going to do this God thing. And my life seemed to be really great. But I learned that that's just the devil in disguise. The devil's making your life great so that you keep away from God. 
everything that you're going to experience has already been written in, in the Bible. If you think about it, every experience, marriage, children, money, obeying, love, death, rebirth, everything, everything's already been done. If, if I guarantee you, if you open the book and Google something, I'm dealing with this. I guarantee you there's a scripture for it. Yep. I guarantee you. So had you not transformed, had you not changed, had you not start following God's calling, his direction, had have you not just start obeying? Obviously, the, the marriage would have just kept being a train wreck. Yeah, but probably be divorced. Yeah. Where do you see where would you see your kids if you hadn't changed course? I don't think we, I mean, we had one more after. So we have, we have two children, three technically together. Like it's kind of weird. I have a stepson who was three when we got together and then she got pregnant while we were together, not by me. And then I just kind of took over the kid that made it our own. And then we had two kids of our own. And after she got pregnant, if I would have just been like, you know what? Uh, when I get back to North Carolina, you don't need to be there. I'll pay for you to go home. Like you do what you got to do. But that'd have been the end of it. That'd be the end of it. I would still be in North Carolina. She would be in Utah. Or maybe I wouldn't have went to Korea. Or maybe, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Who knows, right? I could, I, maybe, but I gotta, maybe I would have gotten hit by a bus the next day. I don't know. Right? I, I don't know what would have happened. But I do know that without God, we would have never stay together. There's no way. And we've done the fireproof your marriage thing twice. Like the first time she, she made me do it. We were in Texas and I was like, okay, Kirk Cameron got it. Could be a good movie, whatever. And I was like, see, he knows exactly what I'm feeling. He doesn't feel like he gets any respect. He saves lives all day. I'm saving lives all day. I'm defending freedom. There's scriptures written about me. <laughs> there's scriptures written about laying down your life for your brothers there's script yes. what scriptures are written about you let me see right and i was just this arrogant you know and i said uh i said he gets it he knows listen to what he's feeling that's how i'm feeling but i missed the whole point so we go about our, our years or whatever and we watch it again now we're going to church now we're doing a thing and I look and then I start doing that 40 day thing and I could feel it. I'm like, ah, it's love. It's love and obey. That's all it is. Love and obey. And the scriptures tie into exactly what you're supposed to do as a husband, as a father. It's written for you. And so doing that and then we've done other ones. Marriage on the Rock was really good. Uh, the crazy cycle, I think, was the best if you want to, okay, so let me throw a resource here. Rightnowmedia.com. Rightnowmedia.com. Go there, sign up, and you can get all kinds. There's thousands of Bible studies that can be done on there. And uh, Andy Stanley has a bunch. One's called I Marriage. Really good. It's not an I marriage. I didn't marry you, whatever, right? It's it's we, we marriage. It's a we marriage. He talks in depth about this. Uh, marriage Today with, uh, with I'm, I can't think of his name right now, but the Marriage Today people with um, 
the husband and wife that do the, the the scripture together. He's all on TV and all that stuff. Somebody's going, somebody's yelling his name right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but marriage today, their ministry, they had a bunch of stuff in there. They do the marriage on the rock. They do another one. I just can't remember what, what, what their names are, but we've done a lot of different his needs, her needs. Oh, that was a really good one. His needs, her needs. That's a really good book. It's a really good Bible study. And we did that one, but we've done these Bible studies. We're like, okay, I get it. Okay. So this is how we need to be. And it's not that we're taking advice from people we don't know and passing stuff. It's, it's literally biblical stories. If you ever want to learn about love, Corinthians is great. Read the book of Ruth with her and Boaz, mm -hmm. which I was not allowed to name our youngest child. <laughs> I want to name him Boaz, <laughs> but, uh, but Ruth and Boaz. I mean, just read the book of Ruth. So good. It's so good. But we had to get into God. I mean, we just had to. We had to get into God. Does God ever talk to you? Yes. Do, do you, is it a feeling or is it no. like an audible tone? Or all, 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 all of it. All of it. So, yes, I, I hear it clearly sometimes, like spoken word. Sometimes it's a sign. Sometimes it's a feeling, but every different way I've heard somebody describe, uh, God speaking to them. I've, I've, I think I've experienced it. I remember the exact moment that that happened because I've never had that experience ever in all my life until, until like 2015, 16, like I think it was about 2015. So I used to buy storage units at auction and Inside this storage unit was a bunch of skateboards. My son likes skateboarding and stuff. And I said, man, I got to get these priced out. These look like vintage. These look like SoCal. These look like, you know, West Coast, you know. So the pawn shop was like, yeah, I don't care. You know, whatever. They're, you know, 20 bucks, you know, whatever. I'm looking at them online and I'm like, oh, man, this is like hundreds and $200. And man, like, this is crazy. Well, we're driving by this one brick area parking lot and kids got set up for like skating or whatever. And at the time there was no skate park at all. There was no skate park in Goldsboro. And so this is where they used to skate behind a hotel. It was really weird and awkward. And so I go over there, I pull up and I'm like, Hey guys, uh, what do you think about these skateboards? Like, what would you pay for these skateboards? I'm trying to sell these things. Yeah. What would you pay for these? You know? And like, Oh man, this was really good. Like, this is so good. And after a couple of minutes of talking, I put the skateboards. I said, you want to get these? I put them in and we drove away. And as I was driving away, I said, man, I should have gave them to him. She goes, yeah, you should have. Oh, it's too late now. It's too late now. Let's go. I forgot about the skateboards. I totally forgot about them. They were still in my truck. We went around a couple of days later. We went around the corner and the kids are there. And I was like, oh, those kids are there. That's cool. And so we kept on going. I didn't say anything, but I felt <laughs> like I need to talk to these kids. And I was like, huh? And I kept thinking, I was like, man, I should have given skateboards to those kids. We get out of the truck, we go put something in the car. There's skateboards in the car. So I turned away. I was like, yeah, there's skateboards are still in here. She goes, what? Like, these skateboards are still in here. She goes, why are they? I thought you took those out. I'm like, I thought I did too. I thought I just kind of put them in the garage. So we're driving by and at the red light, like, like we're not hitting any red lights. And then we hit a red light and at the red light to the right are those kids. I was like, this is ridiculous. So I go over, I drive over there and I was like, ah, just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if they'll buy them. I don't know. I really want to sell these things. So we go over there 
and I said, Hey guys, remember I talked to you like, yeah, I was like, Hey, uh, you know, I really want to sell these things and I just don't know how much they're worth. Like, like really like, what would you guys pay for these kind of a sales tactic? What would you pay for these? And they're like, well, I mean, we're like 15, <laughs> like, you know? And then the one 18 year old who drives everybody, they're like, uh, I mean, I, I'd probably pay like 50 bucks. I'm like, oh, okay. 50 bucks. Like, that's cool. And my wife's like, looking at me. And then I feel it. It was like hot, like hot on my chest, Ooh. hot on my neck, hot on my back. It was hot. Right. And it was like, you ever, yeah, it was like hot. Like you got shivers. Like it was hot. Yes. And then I hear, I hear it. Give it to him. And I was, and I sit there and I stood there for a second and I looked at the kids and I got hot. And it was like, give it to them. And I looked at the kids. And I was like, Hey, who is the best skateboarder here? And they were all like, Oh, it's that guy. Oh, he's so amazing. And they affirmed him. Oh, he's so amazing. He's so good. And it was one of the littlest kids there. I was like, here, man. Here's a new skateboard. The kids are like, what? I'm good too. I'm good. I'm a good skateboarder. I'm good. I was like, tell you what, man, you take them both. Take them both, man. You deserve it. They affirmed you. And, and God put it on my heart that you need to have these skateboards. And he was almost brought to tears. He's like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. Starts riding around. It's like, you guys have a nice day. And I have felt the best that I have felt in, in so long that, that moment like, like you feel warm and hot and, and it's almost like, like tear, like your eyes are watering and you feel like you changed a life. That's what I felt like in that moment. And so I told my pastor about it and he high fives me and he's like, God, talk to you. I was like, is that what that was? <laughs> is that I've been waiting forever. And now since that day, I listen, I listen intently. And I want God to talk to me. And I want him, like, if I'm ever like, I don't know what's going to happen, God, but I kind of need to know what to do. And then I pause and I wait. I wait for the hotness. And I wait for the, for the, for the, the neck to kind of, you know, the hair and, and the whole thing, you know, like I, I wait for almost like a fear mechanism to kind of kick in and I'm listening and like, what do I do? And I'm listening and, I, and I'm, and I'm picturing like, like pictures flying through my head. Like, like I'm looking at pictures and I'm waiting for one to stop. And like, that's what I do. And, and I'm picturing like, do I give this? Do I don't? And I'm looking for the decisions. And that that's, that's my way of like, God's God's speaking to me. He wants me to do this. And the funny part is I've got some pastor friends and I've got some speaker friends. And I said, man, I think God wants me to be a pastor. And I cannot, I was laughed out of the room. <laughs> I was laughed out of the room. They're like, God did not say that to you. I promise you. I'm a pastor. He did not say that to you. <laughs> There's no way he said that to you. So, but I thought about it. I said, man, I want to be a pastor, man. I just want to talk about God. And I just want to, I just want to give my testimony and, and tell how, how amazing God is. And so now I just do it. I don't need to be a pastor. And in our church above the door, when you leave, it says the church has left the building because God's in us. and We are the church. The church doesn't have to be every Sunday. It has to be every day. So. That's so good. So you believe God's going to talk to you. There's a difference. If you don't yes. believe God's going to speak to you, you might not actually hear him, even though he is speaking to you. You're not listening. You're not listening because you don't think it will happen. 
That's like Santa Claus, man. You got to believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. You got to believe. Same, you got to believe he's there. Same, same kind of concept, but yep, absolutely. Oh man, that's so cool to hear hear kind of that story, but then also that you continue with it and you yeah. stay with that belief and that God speaks to you. It sounds like pretty often. I, I hope so. I hope that I'm I'm taking the moments and I never want to lose the moments. I always want to create moments. And sometimes we got to stop. You, you had mentioned in previous episode, you were talking to uh, the letter the, the letter yeah, legacy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Blake Brewer and the yeah. legacy letter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. And he was talking about writing things down and, and, ju and just capturing the moment. Like what's the moment that you want to capture. And, and I so was in tune with that episode and I, I text you. I was like, wow, love this. Like, oh my gosh, I love this episode. So for those listening, you have to go back and go listen to Blake Brewer. If you haven't listened to it and this is the first one you've listened to, this is nothing compared to what Blake Brewer talks about. It's absolutely incredible. But I, I never want to let moments pass by. I never want to just let moments happen. And it sounds weird, right? I never want to let them happen. Like, I want to be in the moment. I want to be the moment. I want to I be there. You know? And, and I want to experience it. So a lot of people, they go to a beach, they go to a mountain, they go wherever. We love road trips. And one of the things that we do is we take in the scenery. I've stopped on the side of the road, gotten out of the car in, in what were we, New Mexico or something, New Mexico or Arizona, one of the two. And it was just rolling, cascading hills of, of rock and dirt, you know? And I was like, this is amazing. I got out of the car and I, jumped the guardrail and I started walking down and I was like, babe, get a picture, get a picture. And we always put our hands up and we put our two fingers like number one and we just put them up, you know? And, and that's, that's our pose. That's our power pose. That's our, that's our one life. Yeah. One life. And so uh, my friend, John Roman with the front row foundation, that's, that's the pose, you yep. know, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his arm one up, life, yeah. one life. And so, yeah, our, our mutual friend, John Roman, yeah. And I got out of the car and I did the one life, you know, I did the, the front row pose, you know, and, and she's like, you are so crazy. I said, but look at this. The sun was starting to set. I said, look at this. It's not like looking at a picture, but I said, look at this. This is amazing. My kids are like, dad, get in the car. I got to pee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going, we're going. Let's go. <laughs> back to reality. <laughs> back to reality. You know, but I wanted to get a picture with my wife and I wanted to get a picture. I mean, we went to all these different places and, and, and it's just God's beauty. It's like, capture the moments, capture the moment, be the moment, create the moment, be the moment. So it's funny you bring that up. Somebody, I don't know how long ago it was, but champions pose. Yeah. You stand there and you get your arms up outstretched yeah. and you get your chest out. You like feel like a champion. I was at yeah. uh Tough Mudder, just ran a 10 mile obstacle Saw course that. type thing and climbed over this big thing. And next thing you know, I get down and there's a photographer right in my face. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> champions. <laughs> yeah. like, I just did something like that was cool. And yeah. I'll be darn if that, that picture didn't make its way back to me. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad they captured that moment because that was just pure joy. And it, it was even better taking a second to take it in and, you know, just resting in that feeling. It was great. And then, yeah. you know, a million more obstacles and the whole day was great. So if you 
have ever considered doing something challenging like a Tough Mudder or Warrior Dash or any of that stuff, go do, go do hard things. <laughs> do it. So rewarding. Do it. <clears throat> so going into the drill instructor thing, we'll kind of wrap this up, but yeah. study, practice, teach. That's it. Study, study practice, practice, teach. teach. Same so with baseball, right? Yeah, yeah, Same absolutely. Thing. Study in the game, learn in the game practice all the time, batting cages, throwing, fielding. Right? And then when somebody says, Hey, can you help me with something? You're, you're actually learning as you're teaching or you're maybe preparing a bunch so that you can teach. And when you get into that teaching mode, it just takes it to a whole different level and you learn at a different level. So yep. with that drill instructor thing, it's, I tell people all the time, study, practice, teach a buddy of mine told me that. And I'm always working on that. And on the teaching side is where I learn the most. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the players become coaches. Yeah, yeah. And they go yep. back and teach. Yep. Yep, for sure. So to wrap this up, let's uh let's go any any advice for dads out there growing in their faith or or being better dads or being dads to their kid, what whatever it is, throw something out there, something you'd like to share with the dads. Absolutely. There's a book called The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Mm -hmm. And there's a passage in there and it goes, oh, man. So the story behind this passage is that as a drill instructor, you have kids, you have trainees, right? And so the way, the way that it goes is you have these trainees that are, that are entrusted to your charge. And you have a responsibility to teach and train and, and mentor, right? So it goes, regard your soldiers as your children, and they will follow you into the deepest valleys. Look on them as your own beloved sons, and they will follow you even unto death. So you, as a parent, need to look upon your kids not as who they are, but who that they could become. And sometimes we do this. We see our spouse as somebody. We see our kids as somebody. We see our friends as somebody. Look on them as who they could become. And I told my wife last night, I said, you have so much wasted potential. You have so much potential. And I've bought her books and I've bought her schedulers and calendars and journals and stuff. She's like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like if you just like, if you just do it. And sometimes it's hard for me to obey my wife, my wife, my wife to obey me because all I heard during the marriage thing was you don't own your body. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine now. Pastor said so, <laughs> you know, but don't look at your kids or your spouse or your friends or family as who they are now look on them as who they could become. Yeah. Speak, speak encouraging words to your wife, speak kind words to your wife. Yes. Uh, and she'll just bloom. So if, if you use harsh words with your wife, uh, reconsider that, reconsider yeah. that. It's amazing what can happen when you tell people you're proud of them, you love them and that you believe in them for your spouse and for your kids. So write your kids a legacy letter since you brought that up. 
yeah. connect with connect with Blake Brewer. Uh, such a great exercise. So yep, I'll let you throw absolutely. out a challenge. What uh, what challenge yes. would you have for the guys for the week? It's the challenge that I challenged you on. So I'm gonna call you out a little bit. You need to watch the movie Courageous. <laughs> you need to watch the movie Courageous. And some of the dads have probably already seen it, but if you haven't seen it, it's an amazing movie. So one day there's uh, a drunk driver kills the daughter, devastating the, the parents. And following his daughter's death, the, the character reads about fatherhood in the Bible. And he decides that there must be a better way, a better way to be a father. And, and, and he wants other dads to do the same. So he crafts a resolution. And the resolution to honor God in every aspect of his family. And so he gets the other dads to write resolutions like, this is how we will run our family. This is how we will honor God. This. And then they have a formal ceremony to dedicate the fathers and sons and, and, the, and the other girls and kids and stuff. But they have a formal ceremony where the father and the kids sign that resolution. They sign it and then they frame it. Said, this is how we will run our house according to God. And so you, you might cry a little bit, but um, Courageous Movie is absolutely an amazing, amazing movie. And, and it just speaks to the heart of as men, how we should be as fathers and husbands and men of God. Cause we all know great men of the Bible, but do you know great men of God as your next door neighbor, as your coworker, as your friend, as your brother, as your uncle, as your grandfather, as your father, who is the great men of God in your life? If you don't know any, you need to be that great man of God. That's my challenge. Oh, that's fantastic. And that certainly will help with relationship and learning to love in a different way. And oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So study, practice, teach. You got your five, uh, five things to do every day. Pray, worship, live by example, obey and love, love your neighbor. Even that one, even that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Oh, I appreciate you for coming on such a great episode. Love how you've transformed your life and you're leading your kids to heaven, man. Good for you. Good for you. I hope so. I mean, you know, I hope so. I asked my pastor one time, I said, man, what if there is no heaven? What if there is no God? Like what if, and he goes, well, I know that there is, but let's entertain this. What if there is no heaven? There is no God. There's no nothing. You just die and go away. There is no afterlife. There's no spirit. There's no ghost. It's all fake. So what? Live your life according to God's principles anyways. Because what's wrong with that? What's wrong with loving somebody? What's wrong with giving of yourself? What's wrong with gratitude? Like name one bad thing in the Bible that you would do as a Christian that could harm you. Name one. I'll wait. I said, all right, fair enough. <laughs> so he goes, there is a heaven. There is a God. There is everything that we ever talk about. I know that for a fact. But even if there isn't, you live like there is. So, okay. Yep. Okay. And so that's, I've done it ever since. Lived like there's a heaven. Well, thank you so much for being on the journey of a Christian dad. And I appreciate you, you being, being along for the ride and helping get this thing started. Without you, we, we would not be here where we are today. 
It's an honor, man. You are an amazing host and you're an amazing orator and conversationist. So conversationalist. So yeah, man, I love listening to the show. I recommend it to all of my Christian dad friends, not because I am a part of the show, but just, it is so amazing. The guests that you have on are amazing. And I just learned something about myself and learned something about you. And I learned something about this whole Christian dad thing, you know, and it's just a, a great group of people to be, to be with. Ah, well, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing and everybody listening, share the show. Share the show, share the show. We appreciate the, yes. the growth and the downloads and the community growing. And man, if you could see some of the messages that I get, guys, you know, just encouraged and transforming their life and broken homes that are coming back together. Yeah. Um, it's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's awesome. Well, enjoy your week. Guys, take Sean up on the challenge. Watch Courageous. Catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and I hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.